Welcome on in to another episode of Nate Hit the Foul Pole. We're here after our four-hour-long live draft show that we did a few weeks ago. I was on vacation, so apologies that we didn't have a, uh, a episode for you guys last week. So we're coming in here a little later, but we're going to grade today the draft picks, at least a few of the draft picks that the Orioles made um, in that 20-round draft a few weeks ago. Matt, how's it going? Good, buddy. I think uh, I speak for both of us when I say after a four-hour-long show, which is essentially for us eight <laughs> yeah. podcasts worth, uh, it probably knocked us out, you know, for a good week, week and a half. So uh, glad to be back here. It, it's a lot to it's a lot to research, a lot to cover. We do a, a a lot of preparation for that show, so you know it's a it's a little bit hard to put on a, a decent show to, to rival that, I guess. And then I was on vacation to be on top of that. So glad to be back, though. Glad to be back. Um, I guess let's jump right into it. So. To, I guess to preface everybody a little bit about what we did here, I ranked a few of the guys kind of at the top of the draft, and then you did a, a few guys that were, you know, maybe a, a few uh, picks later down in the draft, anywhere from like the five to 10 range. So, but we both wanted to do the first round pick, Colton Cowser, the number five overall pick, because this is the one that I think most people are interested in. This is the one that most people care about. Nobody really cares about who the Orioles pick in the 10th round. People obviously care about who the Orioles selected at number five overall with the first pick. So we we talked extensively about Cowser on draft night, on Sunday night, the 11th. Mm-hmm. We, we did an extensive coverage of him. Uh, we gave our full scouting reports. But we're going to grade this pick, obviously, and we're going to tell you, you know, with a, with a couple weeks behind it, how we feel about this pick. So, Matt, I'll let you kind of go first. Explain what you like about Kowser and, and what you would grade this pick. Yeah, I mean, to me, like, Kowser really seems like one of the more polished players in the entire draft. Um, we mentioned before during the draft show, he didn't go to a necessarily a big-name school, but all the tools are there. Um Looking at pipeline, he's got a 60 hit tool, 55 field, 55 overall, uh, 60 run. Michael Ice calls him a five tool player, which is you know pretty surprising for me. But um, you know if he's sitting there at number five and you think he's your guy for the future, I I couldn't you know I, I have couldn't put any more faith in in Michael Ice than I do right now. Um, I actually gave this grade a B plus. Um, there are uh, you know maybe one maybe two guys on the board that I rather would have had other than Kowser, but other than that, he's easily a consensus top ten player in the draft. Yeah, that's a fair grade. I, I think that's about where I'm sitting. Uh, B plus A minus is what I, I kind of I'm trying to figure out where I would go with it, but I think A minus for me. Um, I, I I don't think that Elias screwed up this pick. I don't think Elias made a bad pick here. I think this is actually I would I would even go as far as saying he nailed it. Um, I wouldn't say he nailed it where if, if I were the GM and I were drafting, I would have done the same thing. However, I think he got the best college player that was on the board. I think he got a guy that's, that's, you know, almost, I don't want to say for sure, but I think as close to as sure of a player as we're going to get in the draft, I think he's going to be a major league player. I'm not sure how high the ceiling is. I think it's more of a, a high floor, low ceiling guy, as far as Colton Kowser goes. But I do think that this is a guy who really is going to contribute and be a starter at the major league level and be a good starter uh, at the major league level. I don't know if he's ever going to win MVP. I don't know if he, he's ever going to be you know, a superstar in the top five conversation of players in baseball. But look, Colton Gowser is a very talented guy. Michael Elias knew exactly what he was doing by drafting a guy who hits for contact. He can run. He can play the outfield. He's probably going to stick in center field. Um, and look, I mean, this is just, he was the best college player on the board. And I think the Orioles did a good job. A minus for me. Yeah. I think kind of the goal that fans should have as in terms of their expectation, a lot of times when you're drafting a guy, you're just hoping that they get to the major leagues 
exactly. once they exactly. once they get there, you know, Common anything else that happens is gravy. So I think that's just your first your first real goal to get there is extremely difficult, no matter how well you do in college. And, you know, that should be kind of the expectation moving forward. It's really a common misconception. I think a lot of people miss the fact that just getting to the major leagues at all is such a hard thing to do, no matter where yeah. you're picking. Um, obviously, if you're a first-round pick, you have a lot higher of a chance of being a major league player than you do if you're drafted in the 14th round or something like that. But look, it's only 60% of first-round players ever make the majors. I don't know. I can't come out and tell you right now that Colton Kowser is going to be one of them. But I think that Elias made this pick banking on the fact that he will be. Because it, you draft a guy like Khalil Watson, right? I mean, you look at Khalil Watson, the guy I had number two on my board. And you look at where he played in North Carolina. And you look at the league he played in. And you realize they didn't throw him a lot of curveballs, number one. And number two, he really hasn't had a lot of experience against any kind of off-speed pitches at all. So when you think about Khalil Watson maybe going up there and hitting pretty marginal, not incredible fastballs and, and padding his stats, you can look at the swing, you can look at all that. But when you look at stats and stuff like that, they're a little bit thrown off by guys like Khalil Watson. And you just don't have as, as safe of a pick right there as it is with a guy like Colton Calvert, even though he went to Sam Houston State, as Matt mentioned before, it's not the biggest school in the world. It's still such a safe pick compared to a guy like Khalil Watson. I mean, to your point there, like, who has the higher ceiling? Khalil Watson does. Definitely. But who am I Who am I putting my money on to make the major leagues and make, make an impact? It's going to be Calvert. Definitely. Khalil Watson, I mean, I've heard the, the comps to Lindor. I've heard a million comps, but... I yeah. just don't you can't you can't really sit here and tell me that Cleo Watson has, has a you know really any more than 50% chance of making the majors because he's these high school guys are so volatile and it's it's right. that's why picking at in the first round is, is such a tough thing and that's why Michael Elias is trying to go with the, the safest guy available here. Absolutely. Um then we had our uh second round pick here in Connor Norby. Yes, yeah, so Connor Norby. Um, you know, you can throw in a grade if you want to. I'll, I'll let you definitely, um, you know, take a, a opinion here as well. But Connor Norby for me, you know, he was ranked pretty highly on my board. He was ranked a little bit below where the Orioles ended up to, uh, ended up taking him. I had him ranked at number forty-five. But look, Connor Norby to me was outside of Colton Kowser, probably the best college hitter as far as contact goes out there in this draft, I think Norby is going to, again, it's another safe pick. It's another pick that Michael Elias is projecting will be a major league player and will be a solid major league player. Nobody's saying Norby is going to be an MVP candidate. Nobody. I mean, maybe he will be in three years, but we don't know. Connor Norby for me is another safe pick that you bank on the contact, you bank on the batting eye, you bank on the approach that Connor Norby brings to the table. And he brings together a really solid and polished profile um, where I, I think he's a guy who could easily hit for, you know, 300 average, maybe gets on base at a 370 clip, and he's your starting second baseman for, you know, the, the general amount of time that the Orioles are competitive in the next, uh, you know, where, when this regime ends up finishing off this rebuild. So Connor Norby, to me, he adds a position player to the Orioles system that in a, in a position where they really lack. In a second base, they don't have a lot. They have Taryn Vavra and Jemai Jones. And, you know, I, I know people on Twitter want to make Jemai Jones out to be Babe Ruth, but let me tell you, he's not actually that good. So <laughs> as much as I like Jemai Jones, he's not actually that good. Um, so Connor Norby adds a premium talent at second base. For me, I'm going to go with A. I can't go with A+. It's not a perfect pick. It's not the perfect pick, but it's pretty close. I really like Connor Norby. I'm with you there, Zach. Um, I actually like this pick better than the Kowser pick. I gave this pick an A minus. Um, you always want to go for a guy that has a semi elite tool. And if you just get that one tool, you can actually develop the, the other 
tools as well. I mean, O staff, you're putting a lot of faith in them now that they can develop some of these players. Would you um, put a comp on him similar to that of a Nick Madrigal? No, I uh, I mean, that's not a bad comp. It's not the one I, I personally had in mind. I like DJ LeMayhew as a comp. I think okay. he's DJ LeMayhew without the the body type. I don't think he's you know, nearly going to be as big as yeah. DJ. DJ is a big guy. And I don't think he's going to hit for quite as much power as DJ LeMayhew, but I do think he'll hit more for power than that of Nick Magical. Nick Magical you know, basically can't get on base unless it's a single or a walk. So, um, you know, Magical, I, I think he's almost falls right in between Magical and LeMayhew. Um, so mm-hmm. that's not the comp I had in mind, but that, you know, thinking about it, that's actually a, a pretty solid one right there. And I think he falls kind of in between the, those two guys. Nice. Yeah. He actually, uh, on MLB pipeline, very similar tools to, uh, tool grades to, um, Colton Kowser, 60 hit tool, just like Colton Kowser. So yeah. nailing yeah. that at, at pick number 41, you can't go wrong there. No, not at all. I mean, I, I think people, you know, again, they look at the MLB pipeline rankings. I don't know where he was on pipeline, but probably like, you know, in the 60s, 50s. I think it was 40s, in the 50s, yeah. In the 50s, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, people look at that and go, oh, well, the Orioles reached because he was in the 50s. And that's just simply not true. I mean, the Orioles have their board. They have the guys they like. You know, they, they could have had Connor Norby ranked as a first-round pick. For all I know, they probably did. So, um, you know, I, I think that they really nailed this pick almost as much as they nailed the Kowser pick. I think these first two picks were extremely exciting to me. And I, I think you're going to see both of these guys – rise very quickly through the system because of how polished they are and how good at, the, at, at what they do they are. And uh, I know you wanted to round out the other two picks here before I talk about some of our later picks. Yeah, I do want to talk about Reed Tremble and John Rhodes. I think two of the most interesting guys in this draft. Um, you know, both of them are guys who – well, one of them comes from a smaller school. Obviously, Reed Trimble is not from a big school like the Kentucky of, of John Rhodes. John Rhodes is, is from a D1 program that's, you know, very, very uh, accomplished in, in, you know, basically every sport, including baseball. Um, so Rhodes coming out of Kentucky he has the, the competition advantage. But I look at these two guys as extremely similar. Like John Rhodes and Reed Trimble have – very almost much, you know, almost as much the same profile as anyone you can find. Um, I think they're both 2020 guys in the future, which is extremely exciting. Obviously, I mean, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. I think they both have that potential, especially Reed Trimble. I do like Reed Trimble a lot more than I do like Rhodes, uh, but I do like both of them a lot. I will say that. Um, I, I think that both of these guys are power and speed combinations. And if you look around baseball, look at power speed combos and you're going to see if you if you start looking around that these are some of the best players in baseball. Power and speed are two of the hardest tools to perfect and two of the hardest uh, tools to find. And I say speed's a hard tool to perfect because you've got to use it effectively and you've got to be able to stay healthy with using it. Um, you look at a guy like Austin Hayes who, who plays with his hair on fire but can't stay healthy uh, because he plays too hard. He runs so fast. So I, I think that you know just being a power and speed guy brings so much value to the table. And John Rhodes and Reed Trimble – you know, they may not have the prettiest swings. They may, you know, I've heard some uh, Hudson Haskin comps for all, you know, both of them already, which it's kind of odd, but I'll, I'll go with it. Um, but they both have some, you know, somewhat unusual swings. They both have things they need to work on. Uh, one was overslot, one, one was underslot. John Rhodes was was considerably overslot, while Reed Trimble was underslot. I was a bit surprised Reed Trimble was underslot. But since I grouped them together in this, Matt, I'm going to give them the actual same grade. I think it's it's fair to give them the same grade here. And I'm going to go with B+. I think the projection that they could be a 2020 guy, uh, they both could be 2020 guys who possibly stick in center field. I think Rhodes is more of a right fielder personally. But 
I, I think based on that fact, these are B pluses for me, and these guys could really balloon. And I, I think you could see again Reed Trimble especially move really quickly through the system. Yeah, that's uh, really encouraging to hear. I was reading up on. Um, uh, hold up one second. I was reading up on John Rhodes a little bit. Um, saw that he has a pretty strong uh, arm there in the outfield, which is always yeah. great to, to yeah. see. Um, he had a ton of assists um, in college, so uh, really, really encouraging to see that. I mean, if nothing else, the Orioles are going to have a wealth of outfielders to choose from yeah. um, from the minor league system. Um, so create that competition. You never know where it could lead. So, uh, no, I mean, there, there's plenty of guys you just mentioned. I mean, they have they have incredible depth at the outfield uh, at the outfield and minor league level. You look at guys like Stowers, Newstrom, who I'm a big yeah. fan. Newstrom, you know, I, we we even touched on him at all in this podcast, but got moved up to AAA since we did our last podcast and is tearing the cover yeah. off the wall there. Uh, Newstrom, you know, again, uh, I believe a fourth round pick of Iowa out of Iowa by Dan Duquette in 2018. Um, so a guy who could, you know, be a big part of the 2022 Orioles. I tweeted that a few weeks ago, but it just is true. The Orioles have so much outfield wealth and so much depth that they will be stacked for the future in the outfield, especially if you look at if Heston Kersat comes back and starts playing well. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable to see what the Orioles can, can be if Heston Kersat's there. Yeah, so I wanted to talk a, a little bit about uh, three other guys that were a little later on in the, on in the draft. Um, Carlos Tavera being the first guy. He was the only pitcher that the Orioles drafted in the top ten rounds. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Obviously, they're not drafting – um, by need or by position, but uh, I just thought that to be a little interesting. Um, he sits 92 to 94, was touching 96 this year, um, plus change and a developing slider. Um, I think actually this guy could be the best value pick when we look back uh, a few years from now. And I gave this a grade of a B plus. Um, you know, not facing great competition there at University of Texas at Arlington, but uh, the tools are there, and you know the Orioles have shown promise in developing young pitchers thus far. And then the next guy I want to talk about is the Orioles' uh, six-round pick, Colin Burns. He's the shortstop out of Tulane. Um, this was apparently an ath- a analytics play from Brad Selick, who really liked his uh, his metrics there uh, at Tulane. Versatile shortstop. He was a finalist for the shortstop of the year, and they said he has uh, good instincts defensively. I'm going to give this grade a, a B-. minus. And then fill- f- finishing off here with my favorite draft pick, that the Orioles made, and that would be the catcher out of a uh, high school in Texas, Creed Willems. Um, this dude is just a absolute tank. Um, you know, he's got massive power. They signed him for a million dollars, which is kind of, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, uh, surprising to me. Um, I was that, looking that's at a tweet. That's, that's a lot of money for a guy. That, like that's that. a lot of money for, you know, what was it? Eighth round uh, catcher. Yeah, that is. Um, but, you know, I, I saw a tweet by uh, John Shepard who said, uh, right or wrong, Creed Willems is the story of this year's draft. And some some extent, the Orioles draft prospect, process. Similarly, uh, think of the athletics drafting Jeremy Brown. Uh, and I kind of thought that was the perfect uh, comparison there. Um, the I was only gonna, issue, I was going to make the Evan Gaddis comparison. I think Evan okay. Gaddis makes a lot of sense as a comparison for Creed. Yeah, I like um, Gaddis. That's good. Well, when you're done, I'm going I'm to elaborate more on Creed. Yeah, no, I'm just saying uh, – for his age, he's a little a little hefty there. Um, slightly <laughs> yeah. slightly yeah. concerning for me moving forward, which is why I'm giving this my worst draft grade of Ooh. all my grades a C, which is not terrible. I, I gave way worse grades last year. Um, I just don't know if that's going to pan out. I'm rooting for him probably the most of anybody out of this draft class. You you love the power guys, Matt, like Blaze Jordan last year. Oh, yeah. uh, Matt was a big... And Blaze Jordan's crushing it right now. 
Blake Jordan is crushing it. He might get traded. I mean, there's a good possibility yeah. he could be on the move at this deadline. Um, yeah. I, I don't know why the Orioles passed on him so many times in the 2020 draft, but hey, um, that's just, you know, that's uh, in the, in, it's in the past. We'll have, to, we'll have to move past at this point. But, um, you know, I, I think that, that I don't think Creed Willems, you know, I, I look at high school guys and you, you look at the profiles you want. I look at high upside as always what you look for in high school. You look at guys who could just balloon and become incredible players, you know, all across the board. I don't really see that with Creed Willems. Like he is, he's a hitter um, who's going to hit with considerable power, but there's not else a lot. Or there's, we're going to cut that. There's not much else there with Creed Willems. Um, right. You know, the defense is, is subpar. Uh, he's pretty slow. He doesn't have a very good arm. Um, it's just not really a guy that I get myself too excited about. A million dollars for a guy who's basically a power hitter. <laughs> it's just a bit weird. And to a million dollars for an eighth-round pick is a lot. It is a lot. It is way over slot. I think he got, you know, the slot value, I believe, is like 150000 So. Yeah. He got way over slot. I think that, that John Shepard's right. I mean, this is clearly the guy they were targeting um, to go over slot when they picked Colton Kowser. Um, and, and not that the Orioles picked Colton Kowser because they wanted to go under slot. I truly think they thought he was a, a really solid option on the board for them, uh, just as they did with Carlos Correa and Heston Kerstad. Uh, and I'm talking about Mike Elias, of course, with that. But, I, I yeah, Creed Willems, to, to put all your eggs uh, in the Creed Willems basket, it's a little bit concerning to me based on the fact that he's you're basically not buying, you're, you're not buying that trading card like I am? I, I, I mean, you might, you might have to, I mean, you're a big fan. That's an investment. You love, you love those guys. You love those guys. I, That's an investment. I, I think it's, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. You can do it if you want. It's, if, Hey, if, if you, if that's what you're into, Creed Willems trading cards, go ahead. When he makes the hall of fame in 2042, you're going to be, you're going to be sorry. That's all I'm saying. I, I believe me. If he makes the hall of fame, I think that, wow. I mean, if he makes the hall of fame, how many world series did he win? Right? Like it's going to be. Uh, like four. You because know. you already have certified Hall of Famer Adley Rushman on the team, right? I mean, yeah. like Adley Rushman. You're going to have C.J. Well, Abrams once the Orioles trade uh, Trey Mancini for Eric Hosmer and C.J. <laughs> Abrams. So, you know, you're going to have a lot of Hall of Famers on that team. Listen, Creed's going to be your full-time DH. You're not going to have to worry about another catcher. You'll be fine. I, I believe it. I believe it. You know, I, whenever I hear the name Creed, I just think of Creed from The Office, which is maybe taking my opinion. Uh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, if everyone could see Matt do that on video, it'd be way better, but you know, um, I like it anyway, <laughs> anyway, Off the we've, rails. Graded, we've graded some of the top draft picks. I do want to say on Carlos Tavera, it was, that was my personal least favorite, uh, pick of the draft. I did not like the Carlos Tavera pick, uh, just based on the fact that he's a senior sign and generally senior signs are just not that good. I, I just don't like the, the senior signs in general. It's nothing against Carlos Tavera. I mean, he's a good fastball. Um, I think he's going to he's going to have some success in the minors. I think he, you know he, I, I like the the profile as far as his makeup goes and how big he is and uh, mm-hmm. the velocity and everything. I like all of that, but I don't know that he was worth a fifth round fifth round pick. So now that the the draft grading portion is over on our show, uh, we did want to talk about a little bit about the major league team because Matt and I really don't talk about the major league team. I think there's good reason for that, right? Like there is yeah. reason that we don't talk about this team because they're you know the worst team in the American League, and it's a rebuild, and we want to focus on the farm. And generally, for the entire season of 2021 and mainly through 2020 as well, we focused on the future and not really what's going on in the present. 
um, which is why we we did want to talk about the Orioles a bit today, just update some people on, you know, not only some prospects who are at the major league level, but um, some surprise performances, namely Spencer Watkins, who's starting uh, as we're recording this podcast later tonight. Uh, you, you look at, you know, Ramon Urias, who's come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it's a guy that they claimed, and you know, a little after the winter meetings in early 2020, and he's now become the starting shortstop for this team while Freddie Galvez is out. He's been a great surprise and a guy who's hitting the ball really well. Um, you look at Cole Saucer, who's come back from, you know, an injury last year and become one of the most reliable and best bullpen pitchers on this team. Um, and the Orioles right now, they're hot, Matt. They just swept the Nationals. They go into a series, a two-game series with the Marlins tonight. Uh, when this is posted, uh, you're going to know probably what happened in that series. But the Orioles are hot there. They're six for their last nine. So they're playing good baseball. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about it currently. Yeah, I think uh, what you're kind of seeing out of the, the All-Star break is, is very encouraging. And I think, bottom line, we can say this over and over, it's like beating a, a drum. Um pitching it all starts with pitching you know you you go out there you have good performances from the starters but really this bullpen has been impressing me a lot um guys that you mentioned already matt i mean matt harvey he hasn't given up a run since july 7th 12 scoreless and i'm gonna win that bet i am going to win that bet with you to be fair uh to our to our listeners matt and i have a bet uh, that is, I want to say it's a seven year or a six year. I'm not sure. It's a six. It has to be under six. Okay. So Matt wins the bet. If, if Matt Harvey finishes the year with the Orioles under six ERA, I win the bet. If, uh, he's over six ERA, Matt looking like he's, he might pull away with this one somehow. I'm not sure, but it's, it's I wasn't feeling so hot in like, in like early to mid June. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I, bet you were, I, bet you I mean, how long do we think this Matt Harvey is going to last before he reverts to the Matt Harvey that we know? I'm always, I'm, for me, I don't know. I'm always like the gun shy, like pessimist when it comes to Orioles pitching. Um, that's just like I, that's just the a, nature of being a fan since like two thousand. Right to do that. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching them for over twenty years now. Um, yeah. It's just kind of the nature of things. But I think what you're seeing now, and you can carry into years to come, this consistent pitching. I mean, if you have like a guy like Spencer Watkins, who he's not going to pitch to a one fifty ERA. He's going to pitch, hopefully, you you hope to a under four ERA. If you can get guys like that, I, I just think of like years like 2012, right? When they had Jason Hamill, he was just anchoring that staff. He wasn't he wasn't a great pitcher. He was no. just getting the he was just getting the job done uh, every almost every start. And you need a guy like that who comes in, just kind of gets the job done, gives you a chance to win. Because this team with the prospects they have, they're going to score a lot of runs. So yeah, you can just get, you you can just kind of keep the game in check. You're going to have success. You mentioned Spencer Watkins. I do want to talk a little bit about him uh, because I, I did see him in his first major league start. I was at that game. I'm going to be at the game tonight uh, to see Spencer Watkins make another major league start. I'm, I'm, you know, very intrigued of what this is. I'm very intrigued of, of you know, how he is as a pitcher. Um, I, I think that for me, the curveball looks like a 60 grade pitch. I've read that it's a 45 grade pitch online. I think it's a 60 grade pitch. I think his curveball is unbelievably good. Um, I think the fastball is also about. Anywhere from 45 to 50, I think when he locates it, it's good. The velocity isn't there, and it doesn't move that much. But, man, when he locates it, it's like a John Means fastball. It's very hard to hit, even at low velocity. Uh, and then the changeup is, is not too bad for Spencer Watkins either. So I, I really like Spencer Watkins and what he's been able to do so far. And if he keeps throwing the curveball and he can throw it in, in many counts and, and be effective with it, look, I mean, this is a, a guy that the Orioles can, can definitely use help from. A decent amount of his strikeouts too come on strikeouts looking, so that tells me that he yeah, is, is locating very well. And not only and that, it, but just 
that he not only that, but I mean, it, it means he is good stuff. So right, right, yep, exactly. Um, anybody? I guess you know the trade deadline's coming up in four days. Do we yes. have any predictions here for who will be traded off this team? Well, we did our trade deadline prediction show, which I feel almost now is is a little bit outdated. It is the yeah. fact that mm-hmm. there have been some real changes in plans. It seems for the Orioles. Yeah, we talked about Paul Fry and Tanner Scott in that show, and I, I would still say those are for me the biggest two guys that could be dealt. Um, but Freddie Galvis now coming off the injury list. We talked about him pretty extensively in our trade deadline show that we did a few uh, weeks ago, and I think there's a possibility that Freddie Galvis gets moved. Uh, Trey Mancini staying. I, I hope I hope I'm right at least that Trey Mancini is here for the long term uh, and that he's staying at least through this deadline. So I would say Trey stays, Paul Fry's traded. That's my prediction. I don't, I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. I have no. a sinking feeling that Trey Mancini is going to be traded. Really, you do? Okay. And yeah. I and I I have no rationale behind that. I cannot explain it. It just I don't know. It just well, seems that way. Well, obviously, obviously, the, the Orioles are going to get Blaze Jordan from the the Red Sox uh, to to fill out the <laughs> the Creed Willems profile. They've got to get completed with with Blaze Jordan. So, I would buy I would buy a Blaze Jordan jersey like 0.5 seconds after that trade was made. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if you heard this day, Matt, but, uh, but Lamar Jackson's changing to number one if he wins the Super Bowl this season. So, you know, you, you've owned that, that Jersey since Lamar Jackson was drafted about 0.1 seconds after he was drafted. And now he's about to change the number. How do you feel about that? I'll go one step further. I will buy, um, I will buy a blaze Jordan Jersey. Believe that. Really? Yeah. Really? You will buy a blaze Jordan Jersey. Believe that. All right, Matt. Uh, anything else about this major league team? It's 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 a train wreck. We don't want to talk about it. We'd rather talk about the Miners. We we'd really talk about rather talk about the Miners, right? Like there is, you know, Deal Hall's yeah. playing back soon. Grace Rodriguez is on fire. Adley Rutschman's on fire. Kyle Stowers is on fire. Robert Newstrom's on fire. The whole basically the whole minor leagues is playing at, at, at a rate that you'd be happy with, and I think Michael Elias is happy with. So. Hey, look, it's that's the, that's what we want to that's really what we want to cover right now and what we're excited about. So, yeah, I would say um, enjoy what you're seeing with the Orioles. I don't know how long it's going to last, especially if they trade a couple of bullpen pieces. But, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, it's fun. It's fun while it lasts. It's encouraging. Um, we saw in the 2011 team, they kind of had that uh, that walk off win against the Red Sox and it kind of bled into next season. Um, so you never know what can happen. I have some breaking news from Rock Kubaka. Breaking oh, news. Oh, boy. Extremely exciting. The Orioles have signed Daniel Lloyd, their 14th round pick, to complete all of the signings from the 2021 draft class. Oh, my God. A++ draft grade. A++. Literally A++. Matt, if you had to grade the whole draft class as a whole, what would you grade this? Now, obviously, we, we won't know until five years from, from now what this graph is. Yeah, draft like gut, gut reaction. Gut reaction, I'm going to give it a B. That's what I would go. B, I think B plus for me. Yep. Yep. B. I mean, very solid. I mean, it was very top heavy for me. Like the first two picks were not, they knocked it almost out of the park with those. Yeah. yeah. Um, a little bit further down in the draft, it, it was kind of, uh, you know, I wasn't really feeling it. Look at just reading up on some of these guys. Obviously, I don't know full scouting reports on them. Right. No, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I think I'm just t- basically going from what I know and from what I've heard and, and I've done my, I've watched some video on some of these guys, but I haven't had a lot of time lately with being on vacation to dig into guys more like a Colin Burns and everything. So um, I'm excited to dig in a little more and find out some more. And I'm especially excited to be out at the minor league parks, actually seeing these guys in a few weeks. So I hope they're, they're there, but I think that's going to do it for today's pod. Uh, Matt, anything else you have, anything else before we get out of here? 
I don't believe so. Um, you know, I went to the game on uh, game on Saturday, the, the Harvey game. That was yes. the highest the highest attended game of the year, and that was an atmosphere that I really missed from like six years ago. So yeah, that was yeah. really cool to see. That's awesome. Well, um, I'm, you know, hopefully when the Orioles are good again, they bring in 30,000 a night. And it's like that. Oh, and I was on Madison. I'll give that plug. He wasn't on Madison with Chuck Clark, Ravens legend. Chuck <laughs> Clark. Um, you know, Ra- Ravens who legend. Not, who did not acknowledge me, I will say. I was desperate to try to get Matt to tell him to work on his coverage <laughs> skills. But that's, that's a story for a different day. But yeah. um, that's going to do it for podcast. today's pod. Make sure to follow us on all of our platforms. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Give us a listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, But that is going to be it for today's podcast. We'll see you next time.